0: welcome to just a cup on believe an organic conversation with the world's greatest athletes and the coaches who coach them just as if we were in a coffee shop having a little uh having a little joe talking about things today i have a great pleasure of you know getting to to have a conversation with somebody i've known for quite a while and have a lot of respect for jason Soretsky, who is in his 18th year at harvard and yes this is a sports program and we're talking about harvard because i think if you don't understand how good harvard is in athletics you really don't know sports um but uh but jason you know is now this is i think is a a cool thing jason that the the title you're you're not just the director of track and field and cross country you are the william mccurdy director of track and field and cross country at at harvard which is kind of unique that you know you see that with I know Stanford has some and Harvard has some, some of the Ivy league schools. I think it's just kind of a cool that like somebody's endowed a position as opposed to just like, you know, guy that coaches the Texas A&M's the whatever football coach. Yeah. I think
1: maybe the, the coolest part is that, you know, the person, the family that endowed the position didn't want the recognition to go to them. They wanted to honor the coach that had such an influence on, on their lives. Coach McCurdy was here for, you know, 30 plus years, won tons of Ivy League championships, had a lot of national success as well. Um, but I think really it's about the legacy and the impact that he had on young people's lives. And so for me to be, in a position named after him to be able to sort of you know continue that that legacy is is something that I feel really honored and humbled by and um, really grateful for the the Chappas family that uh, you know made that commitment.
0: Well, I think it's crazy the fact that this is your 18th year and you know it's not like you're in your 70s. <laughs> so you know I mean I mean I mean you you got the job really you know young which is nowadays not real common. I mean you're not going to yeah, hire young yeah, to get it.
1: Lucky, <laughs> I mean. So, I mean, so, I mean, how old were you when you took the job at at Harvard? I was 28 when I started here. So, woo, that's
0: that, that's kind of kind of early in a coaching career. Obviously, in 18 years, things have changed a lot in NCAA in sports, but things have also changed a lot at Harvard. What what have you learned, kind of the over the course of those 18 years? You know, what are some, some you know, like 30,000 foot, you know, view levels of like things that you've learned or maybe things you did at the beginning that you don't do now
1: and vice versa? Jeez, I don't even know where to start. Oh, there's so much <laughs> that happened in that amount of time. And certainly, you know, when I first arrived here. I'd never been a part of a complete track and field program to even, you know, as a, as a starting point, um, having right. a run at Columbia, which was middle distance and distance focused at the time. And then I coached at Iona college, which was middle distance and distance focused. So just being a part of a complete program was something that was yeah. really new to me and a, and a big learning mm-hmm. curve. Um, and it's something that, you know, over time I've really appreciated the different aspects of our sport, you know, we're all doing such disparate things. And yet, we all have this common bond that that sort of brings us together. And it's something that I really appreciate and, and value and um, care an awful lot about, you know, all of our student athletes being able to pursue excellence, you know, both in the classroom, and, as well as athletically. And, um, you know, certainly learned a lot over the, the time that I've been here, you know, just about how to approach Uh, coaching and and directing the program and um, certainly the NCA, and and things have changed nationally quite a bit. So there's lots of different directions we we could go there, but I guess I'll start with, you know, with the team and and coaching myself. Um, You know, when I first got here, probably had a bit of hubris, like, all right, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to coach the middle distance and distance events. I'm going to have an assistant helping me out. And I'm also going to be able to somehow direct this program. And we've had some, you know, success early on, you know, the women were uh, runner-ups at the Ivy League cross-country championships and having athletes qualify for nationals. And, um, you know, even I had an athlete that was third at the NCAA championships and cross-country was the top American finisher um, that I was working directly with. But I feel like our program took a real big leap when I was able to take a step back from that day-to-day coaching and really focus more on the big picture and allow my event coaches to really be the head coaches of their part of the program do everything I could possibly do to put them in positions to be successful. Um, I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I've learned is that um, as, as hard as a worker as I am and as, as as passionate and as much as I care about this program, the best way that I could serve 100 plus student athletes is to really take a step back and, and look at that sort of more bigger picture. Um, and that's something that I think has been a big part of, of why we've had the success, especially these last few years.
0: What I mean, from, from a standpoint of outside the normal realm. But I think the average sports fan doesn't really understand what a head coach does outside of being a head coach. If That makes sense. I mean, what what are some daily things or some things that you have to do that somebody might find curious?
1: I mean, it just it really runs the gamut to, you know, everything as mundane as like trying to work with facilities, with scheduling to, you know, alumni relationships and development. And we have a we're hosting the Ivy League Championships this upcoming weekend, and we're gonna have a big, big crowd of alums coming back for that that's taken a lot of time and effort to organize and plan and, um, you know, put the time and effort into, to really set it up for success. And a lot of it's about those, those personal relationships. They're people who we either on the team with me or have gotten to know me over the years that, um, I really care about and I want them to be able to come back and, and have a great experience being able to cheer on the team that meant so much to them when they were here, but also maybe more importantly, being able to re- reunite and, and connect with old friends and teammates that, you know, they had such shared experiences with. Um, but the, the day in and day out um you know there's just sort of never a dull moment there's always fires to be put out uh and there's always things that that pop up uh to to run a program as uh you know as as as, you know as, as involved as as ours we're trying to I think we, we, we do, we work really hard to not just cater to those who are trying to pursue, pursue national championships and run at the international level, you know, maybe make an Olympic team, um, but also student athletes who are doing everything they can just to, to make the HEPs bus, you know, just try to make the Ivy league conference meet um, is something that they're working really, really hard towards and and to cater to those, you know, and everything in between, you know, it's, there's a lot that goes into that.
0: I mean, you mentioned Olympics and I mean, Gabby Thomas, become pretty much so a, a recognizable face in the sport of track and field globally. You know, I mean, she's, you know, she's probably one of those individuals that you would think like, think of your, what is the most ideal, you know, female athlete that you could put out there in front of people, you know, goes to Harvard, gets, you know, degrees, national champs, Olympian, you know, records, all those kind of things. And then you have another one that follows that up with grand Blanks, just wins a cross-country championship so to have two national championships at harvard in in a very short period of time that's 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 pretty cool like but gabby's from massachusetts graham's not from massachusetts you know (laughs) right so i mean like what is recruiting kind of all over the place when you're talking about you know a school like harvard
1: Yeah, I mean, I've certainly always had the philosophy of, you know, we need to recruit without borders, we need to not have preconceived notions about where people come from, or where talent might be found. Some of it is little bit of searching for a needle in a haystack and that you know the academics have to line up the financial aid has to line up because we don't have athletic scholarships it's all based on families uh demonstrated need which harvard's very generous and they have excellent financial aid packages i think most families who are worried about it are actually then really pleasantly surprised once they actually get the actual estimate and and see what the the cost is those families who are unfortunately disappointed it's usually because they have significant capacity and, and the ability to to write a big check um you know and there's there's some families that fall into that just kind of fall off the cliff a little bit and it's just a little bit outside the range but i think uh, you know, recruiting has to be done without borders and, and really leaving no stone unturned. And, uh, you know, the cool thing is Gabby wasn't the only one in her class that made the Olympics. You know, Karen Tontavit, um was also in that same recruiting class um, and also made the Olympics in, in 2020. And, you know, he's got a great chance to, to represent Thailand again, even though he's from Delaware, stabs from Thailand. So um, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you talk about the two national champions that we've had to sort of bookend, uh, but there was three in between that also won national championships. Maya Ramson in the 1500, Ken Akedji and Stephanie Radcliffe, both in the in the hammer throw um, last spring was really, really exciting. But again, you know, Maya's from New Zealand. She went to high school in Ethiopia. Kenny's from the UK. Stephanie is from Australia. Uh, you know, really just finding people all across the globe that have the academic and, and athletic ability to compete at the highest level, um, both in the classroom and, and athletically is something that we're really committed towards.
0: All right. So OK, so were any of those athletes you just mentioned, you know, when, you know, when a coach is recruiting, he kind of comes to the head coach and says, Hey, I, I got one for you. This kid is X, you know what I mean? And obviously assistant coaches always overblow how good somebody is. This, this kid's going to be whatever. Were any of those individuals ones where, you know, the, the, the coach that was recruiting him brought said and said, Jason, we've we got to have this kid. This kid will be a national champ.
1: Ironically, um, Gabby Thomas was that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coach Tolbert thought saw her and saw that she does the long jump and the triple jump and she sprints and he thought, you know, she could be, she's clearly talented. She's got, you know, the, the tools to, to work with. Um, He was a very successful, he's been a very successful horizontal jumps coach. Um, He thought, you know, that she potentially could be to that highest level, but maybe in the triple jump. So, um, but I think one of the things we pride ourselves on as a staff is, not trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. You know, we really try to get to know the student athletes, understand what makes them tick, where their strengths and weaknesses are, and we don't have those preconceived notions that you have to do X once you're here. We want you to do whatever you're going to thrive in once you're here. And Gabby clearly thrived in the sprints. She did some jumping for us. You know, Ivy League champion in the long jump and school record holder, um, scored some points in the triple jump. Um, but the triple jump beat her up. You know, just technically, yeah. um, wasn't able to to do it in a way that you know she came out of it healthy. And, and, and just obviously the, you know, the, the rest was history with what she was able to do in the sprints.
0: What, I mean, Harvard has so many unique capacities. Like, like what, what is, what has it been like in, in this kind of new age of, of college athletics with Graham, you know, winning a national championship, literally since the, the name image and likeness part and all those kind of things, how, how, how different has that been for him compared to like Gabby a couple of years ago when that wasn't around?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still in our uniform. So that's the big difference. Right. <laughs> right, in, right. You know, she also has an NIL deal and still still able to to run in the uniform and I think that's that's clearly we're benefiting from NIL. You know, I know I talked with colleagues at other schools and they it's it can be quite It's just another thing to have to juggle and another thing where people get pulled in different directions. Uh, We're really fortunate in our setup and and in many ways, I think it it just really helps us to be able to keep that type of talent in our uniform. Gabby went pro after her junior year and she still was a Harvard student her senior year, still on the team. We made her a student coach to comply with NCAA rules so that she could train with us, she could travel with us. She was still an integral part of our team success. She just had to wear a new balance uniform when she competed not a harvard uniform versus maya and graham they're sponsored by their you know new balance for graham and, and maya's with on um, but they're still wearing harvard uniforms when they compete so um, it's 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 an ever-evolving um, process and i can imagine a world where you know who knows what's what's going to be coming next um, in a lot of ways not just the harvard model but the the ivy league model is just so much more sustainable than what i'm seeing it you know across the NCA landscape
0: well, and Ivy League is so unique um, because you are student athletes, like true to the, to the truest sense of it. And there's there's not there's not a ton of schools. Now, I, I got to ask you this because this is a question I think sometimes people are confused. There's Heps, and there's the Ivy League. Like and when somebody mentions it, they're like, "Well, hold on, they're going to Heps. I thought they were in the Ivy League." But you know, and vice versa. So
1: what what? Define those two, or, or kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've tried to push for you know the 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 naming to be the Ivy League heptagonal championship, just to kind of meld the, the two in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. you know the origins of our conference meet for track and field and cross country. At one point, it included both Army and Navy, and I think it was before conferences were sort of such a big thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know all the history super well. Um, someone once told me you know that the name heptagonal means more than normal and i think back in the day when you know this this sort of conference meet started, normal was dual and tri-meets. And so this was going to be a meet that was going to be more than sort of the normal Mm -hmm. amount. And so um, I I don't even know the first iteration, if if Brown was there, or or what the configuration was. Um, But I know that Army and Navy were a big part of it. Even through my days as a student athlete, Navy was still in in the heps um, when I competed. So you could be first team all Ivy if you got second place, if a Navy athlete was in front of you. It's just kind of an odd Thing there. Um, but yeah, the Ivy League is, is our overall conference. It obviously has a significant connotation academically. People associate it with, you know, I think a, a pretty high level um, academics. And um, for track and field and cross country, though, you know, the the origins, the heptagonal championships, the HEPS is just sort of always carried uh, just a little bit more weight. And, and um, that history is something that I think um, is really important to not just us as coaches, but I think our student athletes too. They, they take a lot of pride um, in going to the HEPS championships.
0: Always, always, very interesting uh, when when you're dealing with the Ivy Leagues in specifics. Uh, you are listening to Just a Cup on Believe. We've enjoyed if you've enjoyed the episode so far. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and just talk about it. It's how we continue to reach more and more listeners. Remember, every team, every topic. This is Believe. I'm coach Brian Fetzer and I have Jason Saretsky on with me, who is the director of track and field at Harvard uh, University. And we're talking a little bit about everything. And when you talk about the uniqueness of Harvard, there's, in my opinion, I mean, I, I've told many people, I'm excited to, I, had, I had to get the opportunity to have a brief stint at Harvard with you, and my most memorable uh, opportunity in sports was HYOC, uh, Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge, and such an incredible um, event that happens that I think is probably the most under talked about, under publicized sporting event globally. Because yeah, I never heard of it beforehand, but but again, I, I that's it's that's my favorite thing I've ever did in sports. And I mean, I told that when I got hired at Virginia, I was doing an interview and the, the camera person actually stopped and goes, are you sure you want to say that? Not national championships? Not, I'm like, no, this, this is the best thing I ever did. So yeah. HYOC, in a nutshell, what is it? And and just kind of explain a little, I think people would be, it needs to be, it needs to be broadcast
1: because yeah, that'd so be a cool cup, thing. right? So I got the mug here yes. Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge. Um, and, you know, the tradition goes back to, to the 1890s. It actually predates the modern day Olympic. Um, I believe when it first started, you know, Harvard and Yale had their dual meets and the winner got to go across the Atlantic to compete against the winner of Oxford, Cambridge. I think that was the first iteration of it, you know, sometime in maybe 1893. I then think the next time they did it, they said, rather than just sending one team, why don't we send a combined team? And I think that's, it's been like that, I think pretty much ever since. So Harvard and Yale, will have our dual meet. We'll sort of select the, the the winning team or the the sort of the, the winning individuals who get to go and represent both institutions will then come together as a joint team which is really unique right like it's this big rivalry Harvard Yale you know in football they call it the game um, it, it's 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 probably you know the oldest rivalry here in the NCA um, and we're both schools that have been around for a long long time I and mean, Harvard was founded in, in 1636 um, you know Yale was 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 also like a, a founded a long long time ago and then you You go and compete against a combined team with Oxford and Cambridge and those schools are founded like they have colleges that are from like 900 or 800, just absurd, you know, just how much more history is over there. Um, And they clearly have a very different model in terms of how they approach athletics. Um, But I think what that event is really about is the kind of coming together and sort of sharing our love of the sport and the camaraderie and the um, association and this sort of the cultural exchange that goes on. It's a little bit unique now because we have so many, you know, athletes from around the world and particularly from the UK that are on our team. And I think for them, it's, it's a great chance to be able to go back and now they have their teammates on their home turf, being able to show them around versus, you know, the shoe being on the other foot when they're over here in the U S so there, there's lots of different dimensions to it. It's, it's certainly a, a tradition that's, that's very unique, and, um, and I don't think there's a lot of publicity or, um, notoriety around it because of, you know, just how niche it is, right. It's just those, not even our entire team gets to benefit from it, right. You have to be, you have to win your event at the Harvard Yale meet or be selected second or third. And the coaches kind of go through putting the be- together the best team that we can. So, um, it's not a whole lot of people that have access to be able to participate in it. Um, but if you do get that chance, it's, it's a pretty cool experience.
0: What, what is what is your favorite memory or or kind of thing that you've seen at, at HYOC or just a just an ex, something that was kind of like wow like this is different
1: um I mean just, this, the random things, right? Like the, we'll be over there and the team will go punting, which is, you know, you get in this boat and it's this <laughs> big stick that you're, you're using to, to go across and just the, the, the boats will be, you know, Harvard and Yale students. And then you might have some Oxford and Cambridge students too. And just seeing them interact and relate to each other and be able to have these connections um, is to me, that's what kind of really stands out. It's just that, um, you know, and, and the other aspect of, you know, that kind of stand out is, we go at it with, with with Yale we have this sort of you know rich tradition of in history with as institutions of competing against each other and then you know i'm sitting down with their head coach we're putting together a lineup you know and we're seeing the teams mm-hmm. at first when we go over there, you know, it's very segregated. The Harvard student-athletes are hanging out with the Harvard student-athletes. Yale is with their their um, student-athletes. And then over the course of the, the – usually it's a 10-day or two-week trip, seeing the teams really kind of come together, and um, that, that's something that's pretty cool. I believe – and I'm not, I'm terrible with the specifics on this stuff, but I believe there have been relationships that have been formed out of out of these trips, <laughs> including a marriage. Um, I believe that really? there's a Harvard couple that got married. You know that had met through the Oxford Cambridge trip. So um, there's just all sorts of really cool you know um, experiences and relationships that that develop over the course of the you know this this experience. Well, so other than that, I mean, what is what is something else
0: that's unique about Harvard that? Is is not. I mean, you had a unique experience. That I mean, you spent most of your career as an athlete, PEPs champion. Throw that in there yourself. Um, but but you know, as an athlete in the Ivy League, coaching in the Ivy League. I mean, you get to be around a bunch. I mean, what what are some what's something that's unique about Harvard that that somebody else that might go to a, a, another Division One school
1: doesn't get the experience somebody at Harvard does? Um, I think probably just how complete the team we are and how mm-hmm. connected we are as a team. The men's and women's teams is very, very much a combined program. Um, and like when I think of maybe like the greatest highlight, you know, during the time that I've been here, it's watching the men's and women's teams celebrate the Ivy League championship when they both won outdoor HEPs last spring and seeing how excited they were, f- not just for themselves, but for each other. And then taking that victory lap, you know, just the entire team all together. It's, it's one big family. And, and obviously it's not a family in a you know, traditional sense, but in some ways it is their family away from, from their family. And the amount of time that they spend together and how they come together as one unit is I think something that's really unique. And they're doing it in a way that is not sacrificing their academics or you know having other priorities, they, they really are aligned with this is part of their education, this is part of their growth and development as people. and I think that's something that's pretty unique that, that we offer. There, there's other obviously great institutions that are out there. Um, there's lots of, of, of really competitive athletic programs, but that intersection of academics and athletics and how complete a program we are and how combined we are, I, I think is something that's pretty special.
0: How hard is it to sell Harvard? I mean, it, it's Harvard. I mean, you just say, "Oh, well, it's Harvard," right? Or, or is it one of those things that is? Is there fear sometimes that kids are like, "I don't know if I can be an athlete and and and, and go through the rigors of, of an academic institution like Harvard?"
1: Absolutely, number one question I get from recruits is, "How do you balance it? Like, how do you manage the academics and the athletics?" And you know, would I, would I survive? And, and my answer is always. Admissions isn't going to say yes unless you can do it (laughs) like at Mm -hmm. our admissions office aren't doing us favors by letting in people just on their athletic merit and that don't have the academics to to back it up as well, you have to have the total package to be here. In terms of, you know, how hard is it to tell Harvard? I always joke, like, the parents are usually the easiest ones. They're usually like, what do we need to do to sign up? Because they have that life perspective. They're able to look at that bigger picture and see what a difference maker can be. Um, And so not always, but a lot of times, they're our biggest, you know, supporters through the recruiting process and really want to see, you know, they want – their their son or daughter to, to make that choice and, and to be their decision and because ultimately they're the one that are going here and, and we want that too i always tell people like i want this to be the right fit i want it to be the right fit for the recruit i also want it to be the right fit for us as a program um and so yeah those are some things that got them go into it but yeah number one question easily from the recruits is how do you, how do you balance it how do you manage it all and you know do i really have what it takes to, to be able to do it is, is there
0: been any any kind of request that any of the kids have come up with You know, in recent years that you've been like, really? Like, you know, it's from a, you know, time out of practice or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of just different excuses I heard over the years from kids.
1: Oh, uh, from our current student athletes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always stuff that's going on. And, And I think that's, you know, one of your first questions was how have I learned or grown? Like, I think during my time here. I had early on was, well, I was an Ivy league student athlete. I had a certain approach and it worked for me. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted the team to sort of adapt a little bit of that. And I feel like I have really grown and learned about how each and every individual is going to have their own experience. They have their own past that has in their own, their own background. them to how they're viewing and how they're experiencing and how they're navigating the challenges of this place. And the most important thing that we can do is be empathetic and understanding for where they are and just try to figure out how we can support them on their journey. And not everyone may really you know, have the same, you know, approach that others are going to have. And it's, and that's part of what makes this a learning process, right? That's how you learn and grow from your experiences is by doing it your way, um, not somebody else's way. And um, sometimes that doesn't have the best results athletically, And I think I've kind of grown as a coach where that to me is even more rewarding when I can see that growth though, and see that didn't quite line up athletically, but I can see where they're, you know, leaving here in such a better place.
0: Now, I mean, has there been 18 years allows for a time period of, you know, people to go off and get established in a career and so forth and so on. Has there been somebody that's, you know, that uh, has gone on has left and became X? that you were kind of like, wow, like, you know, they're, they're in this career now or they've accomplished something that I don't say it was surprising, but is kind of cool in, in a sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a the number of things. One of the, the coolest ones, though, actually wasn't from the Harvard Track and Field team. Um, I'm just sort of sitting across from the couch that uh, this student was, was sitting on. So it kind of reminds me of it. But uh, there was a senior on the squash team who was doing research on recovery and wanted to ask me all sorts of questions about how do I measure it and, and what are the different variables and you know, how important is heart rate and heart rate variability. Um, and that student went on to go found a company called Whoop. And it's, this it's little, got pretty big, little, <laughs> like absolutely crushing it. And, you know, again, I just think fondly to him sitting on my couch, you know, asking me these questions. It just, you know, clearly he was really inquisitive and, and curious and he's hit it out absolutely out of the park. But I think that's one of the other really neat things, though. And I think to your question of just how many students will come in. With one idea and then pivot and go into something completely different. And there's just almost too many examples to think of, but like, oh, I really want, I had a a social studies concentrator, a student with like long hair, um, did a senior thesis on anarchy, was very counterculture. um, And he now does venture capital. And when I (laughs) talked about it with him, he's like, yeah, it's just like this really fun challenge of like trying to figure out what's the next bet. You know, what where do I want to bet on that's going to make it? And like, it's almost like a game, and like, just you know, that um, curiosity and, and the challenge of trying to figure out, you know, what are the companies to invest in, uh, was something that really appealed to him. It's just, I don't know, it really sp- speaks to just you can come in with different academic interests and study one thing, um, and you never know what direction it's going to go in afterwards, though.
0: And and that's that's such a unique place about Harvard, because you get kids from literally all over the places you said and just the the creative thought process and just what they're trying to accomplish. It's just different and Harvard creates that environment because it fosters it so well with opportunities. And,
1: yeah. yeah. And, and we're not a pre-professional school. And I think that that's something that is actually really a, a strength. Um, and particularly when we recruit internationally, because so much of the international education system is you're 15, 16 years old and you're kind of locking mm-hmm. into, okay, well, I know I want to be a doctor. I know I want to be a lawyer. I know I want to be a teacher. So I have to take these classes to the, towards right. that end. And, and I feel like the U.S. is sort of moving in that direction a little bit. You're seeing more and more colleges that are offering very specific technical degrees and very specific training for the career and in my opinion, what I think is the ultimate best preparer is how to critically think, how to problem solve, you know, how to work together as a team. Absolutely. And being adaptable and being able to, you know learn from your experiences and apply it to different situations, I think is, is, is where the real value is. Um, one of my good friends, a a college teammate of mine that, um, who's also a middle distance runner at Columbia wrote a book kind of about this. It's called range. Um, where the, Hmm. the idea is that, you know, you have, and he kind of used a lot of like sports athletes, like the, the, the William sisters or tiger woods, like, you know, those are really the exceptions, like really, most people um, are generalists rather than specialists. And if you're a generalist, you're going to do much better overall because you're going to be adaptable and be able to thrive in different situations rather than if you're really focused and really niche, um, you know, we hear about and we sort of celebrate the, the, the extreme examples but those are probably the outliers and not the norms for the vast majority of people having a diverse skill set and even something for me i've tried to think about how do i continue to evolve my position and my role where i'm not just always doing the same thing for 18 years like i'm Mm -hmm. trying different things and taking on different challenges um, to kind of widen my toolbox and and make sure that i'm taking a a real general approach to to what is that i'm doing Man, that's amazing.
0: That's awesome. You, you, now, now you got me thinking. I'm, my, my, my mind's all over the place thinking of different things. Um, I, obviously, this weekend, big weekend coming up for you. Hosting a, a conference championship, there's a lot more that goes to it than just, hey, we're going to show up and compete. Obviously, as the director, you've got to kind of make sure you put on a good show. What's well, something people can expect when they if they if they venture to Cambridge and get a chance to, to check out? the Ivy League and the HEPs championships?
1: They can anticipate and expect an an atmosphere and an environment unlike maybe anything they've ever seen um, with track and field. And and the best example, you know, the proof of that is, uh, you know, Jerry Schumacher, you know, great legendary coach with Bowerman Track Club, now the director of track and field at Oregon. He was here a couple of years back for the USA in Boston for the USA track and field championships. And um, a friend of his is a mutual friend of ours, and he brought him over to the HEPs just to sort of check it out. And I had to run into him and he's like, Jason, I don't wanna leave here. I don't wanna go back to USA. It's like, this meet is electric. Like the atmosphere is amazing. The way that our facility is set up kind of like the stands are all sort of, all the energy is towards the, the track and even the throws is like right there in the same continuous space. I don't know that there's a college venue that has that same kind of energy and electricity. And and because of the Ivy league and we're kind of all recruiting a lot of the same kids, like, you know, you're all drawing from the same pool. There's such a rivalry there. There's such history and tradition. I mean, the place is just, it is absolutely insane. So yeah, if you have a chance, if you're in Cambridge, you know, walk on down um, to to Harvard athletics and and check it out. And it's going to be on ESPN plus also. um, So check it out that way. Uh, It'll, it'll be something else. Well, I mean, Boston, I think, is going to be kind
0: of, you know, one of the, the meccas of track and field. We have the, the, the Heps Ivy League Championships. You have the ACC Championships going on. You know, it, there's there's a lot going on in a, in a very small area. If you've never been to Boston, Boston is not uh, – you know very uh, very wide <laughs> in nature it's it's pretty dense
1: and, uh, yeah, and then really in, in two weeks events. you know the indoor ncaa championships are going to be here in boston at the new balance track which i think will be really exciting it's pretty crazy to think that there are four bank tracks in the boston area um, i believe that in the entire country of the united kingdom there's only three bank tracks so <laughs> Um, you know, just how committed to indoors. And as we were talking before we started recording, like it does get pretty cold here. So it's advantageous to have really great, you know, indoor facilities.
0: And that, that facility at Harvard is unbelievable. And I can speak to it, you know, from firsthand. The, the Ivy League meet the HEPs championships indoors is a, it's very special. It's very unique because of the, the the density of teams and just the the rivalries. And, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat. Everybody's kind of at the same level from standpoint of academically that it's you know you don't have one-offs here and there um, but that that'll be awesome any predictions for the weekend i mean you know i gotta i gotta you know lob one up to you to say hey
1: yeah. I mean, I think we have a great group of, of student athletes. There's a lot of them who are going to be competing for, for Ivy league championships. Um, you know, what I tell the team, you know, we always just are striving to be the, the best version of ourselves and, mm-hmm. you know, the best version of yourself, you know, sometimes may not look the same as it did a year or two ago. It's like, you know, the, this is where you are today. How can you be the absolute best version of yourself today? And so um, I'm not big into predictions. I have my score sheets and like my different <laughs> tables. I'm definitely a, a track nerd and geek, when to that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, we talk all the time though too, like the, the the championships aren't won on the on the paper or on the computer no. screen. Like you got to go out and do it on the day. So I'm I'm just really excited and and um you know, really looking forward to our student athletes be able to do it on, on their home track and in front of their home fans. And I think it's gonna be a, a great environment and a, a really fun weekend.
0: It's always it always takes that one or two individuals that do something that you kind of shake your head at and you went, how in the world did they do that? They're not physically capable of doing it, but they did it. I mean, it just kind of, I mean, that's how championships are won really in almost any sport. It's not just track and field, but across the board when, when you win. Yeah, but
1: with track and field with, you know, so many individual championships within a team championship, right? Like that's what makes it so cool too, mm-hmm, is that absolutely. you're not necessarily dependent on somebody else. Like it's you in that circle or you on that runway or, you know, you running around the oval or straight, straightaway, whatever it might be. Um, and you want to do it for the greater good, like the, the mm-hmm. bigger team pitcher. Um but there's no one to block for you. There's no one to set it up. <laughs> like,
0: you know. That's That is awesome. Man, hey, it was great uh, Great catching up and, and getting to, to, to listen to some some conversation about Harvard track and field and about the sport itself. Jason Sretzky, the William McCurdy, Director of Track and Field and Cross Country at Harvard University. Uh, it's been a pleasure, sir. I will look forward to seeing you in a few days because I will be up there doing the broadcast with, with ESPN+. Plus in the Ivy League. So I look forward to to do that and to see that great environment for sure.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to connect with you.
0: Absolutely. You can uh, get the podcast, Just a a Cup, on Believe.com, Apple, and Spotify, or where you ever get your podcast from. Please subscribe, like, comment, share. It helps us greatly. For another Just a Cup, be blessed, my friends.